Hello, and welcome back to Any Given Thursday, your bi-weekly, semi-weekly, I don't know which one's which, podcast about the Europa League and the Europa Conference League. We're going to do a mini episode today, and by we, I mean just me, it's just David today, do a mini episode on the Arsenal and PSV game, and touch a little bit on some of the other news around the Europa League and the Conference League. Some teams have had some manager changes, some really important injuries, so we want to talk about that before we get to next week's preview episode. So we're going to start talking about the Arsenal and PSV game, the only matchup today. Arsenal came out victorious, 1-0 at the end of the game, and that sends them four wins from four in Group A, 12 points. They are officially qualified to the knockout stages. Two points away from locking up qualification for the round of 16 and the very, very important buy, saving them two games. You have to think that they will get those two points because they play Zurich eventually, who are not very good at soccer. And Arsenal should be able to win that game, meaning this group will likely come down to whether PSV can get a point at home against Arsenal in match day five or the all decisive PSV Bodo Glimp game back in Norway match day six. But as for the game itself, Arsenal were pretty dominant. They controlled the game throughout in the first half. They barely let PSV have any of the ball in the first half. Arsenal had 22 touches in the box to PSV's one nine shots to PSV's one. Next G of 0.92 to PSV's 0.04. But even that doesn't really tell the full story of Arsenal's dominance. I mean, PSV had two or three counterattacks that were somewhat dangerous. I thought Xavi Simons looked okay leaving the front three on those counterattacks. He was really the only danger point at all in the first half for PSV. Uh, Gakpo looked completely out of it. Veerman was almost non-existent. And the rest of the PSV midfield was so busy focused on defending that they couldn't ever get numbers forward because they knew they would turn the ball over quickly and Arsenal would just be back on the attack. The first half, Saka was great, super creative. I thought Tomiyasu and Granijaha also played really well. And they played well into the second half because that was the combination that set up Arsenal's goal. It was Tomiyasu cross back into a completely unmarked Granijaha who Wraps his foot around the ball, gets a nice little volley in there with his weak foot. Impressive goal from him. And Arsenal would hold on to that one nothing lead. Also want to give a good shout-out to Mikel Arteta. He had, I thought he set them up really, really well. Um, they were in a great position to control the game. And then he made subs almost immediately. They paid off. Odegaard came off the bench. Thomas Partey came off the bench. They were both involved in the setup for the goal that saw Arsenal get all three points. But it is a little worrying that they needed to bring Odegaard and Partey off the bench to get the goal. And, you know, you would have liked to be able to rest them completely, but you cannot take anything away from Arsenal's performance. Pretty dominating. Uh, Where this leaves teams, though, uh, you know, actually, I do want to talk about Gakpo. A little bit. He was pretty anonymous in this one. I mean, he had 
only 34 touches, which when Arsenal have a lot of the ball isn't terrible, but he didn't attempt a single dribble. He did not have a single shot. He only drew one foul and he gave away possession seven times. So really just anonymous. And I do kind of question because this is now a repeated pattern of behavior where in the big games, either PSV cannot get Gakpo involved and it's a coaching issue and a setup issue or Gakpo is just unable to assert himself against these bigger teams. And if he's going to move to a top league like the Premier League, where these teams are all circling around him, you do have to question whether he'd be worth it if, you know, if when you play Arsenal, he isn't able to get himself involved, involved, he isn't able to assert himself into the games. You want to see more from him. And again, that might be tactically that PSV just aren't able to get him involved, that they gave up so much of the ball, they gave up so much of the territory that it basically neutralizes Gakpo because he isn't the quickest player in the world. So maybe when you're playing on the counter, it doesn't suit him as well as when you're able to get possession, but you still want to see more of him. And when he had the ball, he wasn't particularly impressive. I thought Simons looked a lot better on the ball than Gakpo did. And comparing both of them, because they had a similar amount of touches, I thought Xavi Simons was a much better player today than Cody Gakpo. But the best player today was probably Saka on Arsenal. He definitely deserved player of the match, in my opinion. He created a lot over on the right, constantly getting behind the defense, working the ball back into the box to create opportunities, which, you know, Arsenal weren't able to put away, but they still created 2.63 XG, 25 shots, and they did get the goal in the end. So I think that's really all that matters. And then also big shout out to Benitez, PSV's goalie. He was incredible today. A lot of good stops. A one-on-one with Saka uh, early on into the second half. He came up big. He had another huge save in the 61st on Gabriel Jesus. So it looked for a bit like Arsenal just, it was going to be one of those days where the opposing goalie has that world-class game against you. But again, they found the goal. They're through. Looked like they should get the buy pretty easily from this point and PSV still going to be fighting with Bodo Glimt really really big games for them in the Europa League the next two match weeks but that's not the only news that has come out this week relating to the Europa League and the Europa Conference League I'm going to start with a pretty big managerial change in Ammonia Neil Lennon is out his time at Uh, Ammonia in Cyprus only lasting about eight months, most of that over the summer without games. They're sitting in seventh place in the Cypriot League after 10 games, and that coming off a loss to a newly promoted side at home. They had enough of him. He's gone, which is, as someone who's mostly paid attention to them in the European context, I was surprised to hear the news. But when you dig deeper and look at the league results, you can kind of understand it. You can see why they felt like they needed to make a change. But the most two, the two most recent games that I watched from them were the United ones where I thought Neil Lennon did a really good job of setting them up for success. So it is a bit of a surprise for me, especially moving on from a guy whose name is probably a little bigger than the club is. So we'll see where they go with. They haven't announced a new manager or who the leading candidates are yet. But keep an eye out for them in match week five because they'll likely be mixing things up, see some new tactics, maybe a new manager bounce that could shake things up in the group. 
There were a few key injuries that happened over the weekend to Europa League and Conference League players. First, in Rome at Lazio, Chiramobile is done for the calendar year, likely be back in January 2023. Thigh injury, according to Gazzetta dello Sport. It's the first time I can remember Chiramobile being seriously injured. And it looks like Lazio didn't also didn't remember a time he was seriously injured because they don't have an obvious backup for him. I would expect either Pedro Felipe Anderson to kind of take over the number nine spot and play in the center of the three, uh, creating room for some younger players to come in there. There's also a chance you might see somebody like Luca Romero come in, but I kind of doubt that he's only 17. He's played and made one appearance so far this year for Lazio. I doubt they want to give him that type of responsibility in a game and would prefer he still come on as a sub, but maybe this is a chance for him to get more of those substitute appearances. But keep an eye out for what they do. It will be interesting to see how they adapt to that loss. In France at Nice, Delort has picked up a knee sprain, and he will almost definitely miss next week. But he might be back for match week six. We've talked about the struggles at Nice in the league and in Europe. And a lot of that has been Delort. So maybe chance to get away, get his head right. But... If he's your starter, your backup's probably not better. So this is probably not a good sign for Nice, who have some really big European and domestic games coming up. Transition. Results that were pretty interesting this weekend that we wanted to mention because we might forget about them before we do the preview next week. Ferenc Varos got dumped out of the Hungarian Cup by a third division side. They're currently leading in Hungary. They're the defending champions. They're playing in Europe. And they get bounced by a third division side. So that is an embarrassing result for the Hungarian champions. And we'll see how they're holding up after that. Uh, more positive, though, Union Berlin faced Dortmund and beat them really, really easily over the weekend. They're now four points clear at the top of the Bundesliga after 10 games. And their form has been incredible. We saw them against Malmo finally get going a little bit in Europe. So maybe this spurs on the result, the confidence that they need to get results against Braga and Union Saint-Gerois. And in, I guess, technically in Switzerland is where the game took place. But Vaduz won a league game only their second win. Seems to be getting a little bit easier for them down in the Swiss second tier. This was a 5-1 win on the road over a team with a difficult-to-pronounce name that I will not attempt. Uh, but they were in second place before the start of that game. So it's a huge win on the road for Vaduz, who look now like they'll be pretty safe from the relegation battle, you know, since only one team goes down in that league. But, hey, you know, good for them taking some of that European form back into Switzerland. And just some general news coming out of the Netherlands. Want to talk about... In the Eredivisie, they're going to ban artificial turf starting in 2024. So all be natural grass there. Um, this will not affect PSV having to go to Bodo Glimt and play on artificial turf. So just want to point that out. As Additionally, from the Netherlands, Fire Nord's captain Koku is refusing to wear rainbow-colored armband in support of the LGBTQ community, citing his religious obligations, I guess is kind of how we put it, to be opposed to 
gay marriage, uh, which obviously disappointing from someone in a position of leadership where you just want him to show acceptance. I understand that he views it as a religious obligation not to wear it. And he, in his message about it, he didn't say that they shouldn't have the right to be married. Um, so, but hopefully enough other captains in the Netherlands are able to send the right message and we can continue supporting our LGBTQ friends and families in the soccer community because, you know, they should feel as welcome here as we all do. Finally, some transfer news, uh, rumors that have been going around. Uh, United, the big one, everyone saw it. Cristiano Ronaldo walked off the field, left the stadium before the final whistle against uh, Tottenham midweek. And reports are that he refused to be subbed in. Don't know whether that's true or not, so I don't want to say for a fact. Just telling you what I've heard from other sources. So maybe he could be on the way out in January. Feels like that kind of reunion is done. Second marriage, never as good as the first. Uh, Director of football, John Murtaugh, also had a little interview earlier this week where he indicated that United don't have a lot of money to spend in January. So if Ronaldo leaves, that opens up a huge, huge salary and a lot of money that they could then reinvest and go get one of the many targets they've had, like a Cody Gakpo. Also in the Netherlands, Azed Milos Kerkes, young fullback, who we got really excited about uh, last match week. He looks so good in Europe. He has started being linked to returns, particularly to Italy. Uh, Lazio have been connected to him quite heavily. We know Lazio are pretty weak at fullback, and they also don't have depth there. So they're looking to make a move for the young star. Uh, I'm personally not a fan of this move for his career. I don't think he's at a point yet where we've seen the consistency from him that he can do it week in, week out in a league like Serie A. And if he's not going to get consistent game time at 20, I'm not sure that it's the right move developmentally for him to move to Lazio, who are not particularly known for youth development. Uh, so, you know, it's a risky move. I'm not sure he'd get the game time necessary to really grow there. Another fullback that has signed and will be moving is Andy Lyons from Shamrock. He's been pretty good this year offers most of their attack when they're not just lumping the ball forward. Uh, he has signed a 350,000 pound, almost said dollar, 350,000 pound move to Blackburn, and that will go through in January. You have to think some of his performances throughout the European qualifiers and the Conference League have to have played a part in that, giving him a chance to show off what he has to I'm not going to say a big team because Blackburn are in the championship, but they're definitely bigger than the League of Ireland. Good chance for him to move over to England and continue to grow as a player. So that's the news from around the Europa and Conference League sphere this week. Thank you for joining for this mini episode. We'll be back next Tuesday, Wednesday. Next Wednesday. I am. I know our schedule. We'll be back next Wednesday for our preview of Match Week 5. Cheers to the Gaffer. All right. Hopefully that went well.
I don't know. You can tell me I was bad, Max. 